hello there. Welcome back to another wonderful, fabulous episode of I Love This, You Should Too. We are a proud Alberta Podcast Network podcast, and we are locally grown and community supported. I'm here with my very funky co-host, Indy Randawa. Very funky? Yeah. Oh, I haven't even, this is like the week I have I stopped listening to funk. <laughs> or do I just smell? Is that what you're going with? No, no, you don't smell. Indy smells very good if you've never met You know met him. what? That's the only thing maybe in life that I'm confident in. I smell good. You do. That is the compliment I've received most in life. Oh, nice. Yeah. You do smell very good. Thank you. And who are you? Oh, I am Samantha Sparkle Sparkle Hees. Oh, right. Yeah. Old Sparkle Sparkle Hees. Um, and we are recording an episode on Indy's pick this week. Indy, what are we what are we talking about? Yeah, normally this is actually a, a first for us because yeah. we've never done a main episode on something other than a movie or a couple of TV shows. Yeah. But how this podcast works, we take turns suggesting something to the other. And I went with the music of Bob Marley, which you were a little familiar with, yeah. but not so much. And today we're just going to go straight up presentation mode. I'm, I'm going to talk a lot. We're going to listen to some music. It's going to be great. Indy has a PowerPoint presentation. So if you listen to the pre-episode, I was promised a PowerPoint presentation and Indy has delivered. And if you go into your show notes in your uh, podcast app of choice, you can get a link and on Google Slides, see all of the PowerPoint slides. I am or Google so slides. excited. But before we get into things, let's thank our first sponsor of the day. And that is the Alberta Treasury Branch and their program, ATB Cares. So if you're looking for a way to give back, ATB Cares makes it easy for all Albertans to support the causes they care about. You can donate to your favorite charity through ATB Cares, and ATB will match 20% of every dollar donated to eligible Albertan charities. So if you want to learn more about how you can do that, you can either head down to your local ATB branch or visit them at atbcares.com. Nice. Well, let's get into it since we have so much information. And look at this. India's got paper notes. Paper notes. Not computer, because usually we both have our computers going and we just kind of scroll through our notes. Indy has actual paper in his hand. And a lot of it. And like a scary amount of it. So like I was saying, I am a big fan of the music of Bob Marley. What do you know going into it? Um, I know that he is from Jamaica. True. Um, that his house is a tour you can go on. Right. And that you can smoke weed there. Okay. And that he seems to be like associated with weed and weed smoking. True. Uh, cannabis use is technically illegal in Jamaica though. Huh. Okay. It is not legalized there. It is here in Canada. And, um, thank we, you. How oh, did, was I correct? Yeah, I think all of that is, is true, but we are going to go a little deeper today. I feel like most people can just go listen to his music wherever. So we mm -hmm. are going to talk a little bit about his life and we'll stop in on some, uh, a few of my favorite songs along the way. Nice. But we are starting way back February 6th, 1945. Whoa, whoa. On a farm in Nine Mile. St. Anne Parish, Jamaica, a tiny little village 
Robert Nesta Marley was born. Nesta. Like, Bob Marley is kind of like my favorite Bob, but doesn't it seem odd that his name is Bob? If you just looked at him on stage and were like, hey, Bob, right? He doesn't seem yeah, like Yeah, kind of. But Bob the, Marley works, but yes, Bob? He like, seems oh. like pretty casual. I don't know. Maybe Robert just, doesn't really work for me for him. I think I just have a certain association with Bob, and they're all white Albertan farmers. Right. Because those are the Bobs I've known. True. And he's uh, not quite that. And one thing that a lot of people don't know about him is that his uh, father was actually white. He was a British naval officer. And when he was born, his father was 60 years old and his mother was 21. And she was just a like local farm worker. Gross. Yeah. You can take away what you want from that, but it, it doesn't That's seem good. It's not nice. And his father pretty much was never around because he was away doing mm, naval right. stuff and uh, he pretty much never knew bob and uh he died when bob marley was just 10 years old oh it's hard to imagine bob marley as a child you haven't probably haven't even seen short hair pictures of him huh? no i so this is kind of what i think of and i'm looking at the first like the cover slide of the powerpoint and it's like long dreads, long dreads. and that like big puffy hat I don't know if he actually wears that very much, but that is definitely kind of a thing associated with Yeah, with maybe dreadlocks. I'm just like associating different things that people who have I think have you're just thinking of like wear. a guy playing hacky sack. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe he wears a big poofy hat sometimes. I can't think of it, but we'll go through. It's fun with him because there's a point in his life where he stops cutting his hair. So you can definitely date all the pictures of him. <laughs> you can see just based on how long his hair is. Interesting. What year it's from. So his mom then went on to remarry, and he then Bob had two stepbrothers, Richard and Anthony, and they were kind of his introduction into the music world. And right when he was in primary school, they started playing together, and Marley left Nine Mile, the little village where they lived, mm -hmm. and moved to Kingston, specifically Trenchtown. Hmm. So Kingston is the capital of Jamaica. I believe it's the most populous city as well. It's a big city, though. Right. And Trenchtown was kind of one of the poorest neighborhoods in the city, but it was also a city or a part of the city that had a lot of music going on. It was often called the Motown of Jamaica, this oh, little neighborhood. And so since people were always playing music, he was able to pick it up and he started to learn to play guitar. And this is when he's still like less than 15 years mm -hmm. old. Okay. If you look at my PowerPoint presentation, you can see a video about Trenchtown. So let's skip ahead many years, and we're going to 1964 now, and he has formed a band called the Wailing Wailers. And these three guys, who just met together and uh, made this little band, all went on to really big things, which is amazing that they all started together like this. Is one of them Bob Marley? Yes, so in the picture here, <laughs> like babies, that middle one—that's Bob Marley. Interesting. Okay, these are some young young men, and I just can't—I have a hard time imagining Bob Marley this young. So here he's about uh, eighteen, nineteen. Okay. And they went on to record a single called "Simmer Down," which went to the top of the Jamaican charts in '64 when Marley was about nineteen years old. Uh, that big tall guy is Peter Tosh, who, if you're not familiar with, you should check out Peter Tosh's stuff. He's very good as well. And Bunny Whaler. But all three of them, they'll form this band. They're going to break up. There's a spoiler for you. But they all <laughs> go on to very big things. Okay. <laughs> 
And let's listen to a little bit of what their first song sounded like, because I think you have a certain idea of what Bob Marley sounds yes. like, right? So let's hear him early on. But does it sound like what you associate with no, Bob Marley? No, it's very like what I would associate as like 50s, 60s, kind of like pop-ish like So dance. that is more like ska music. Okay, ska. So it has more horns, it has that upbeat, yeah. or rocksteady is like a little kind of subgenre in there oh, okay. as well. So that's what that was because reggae, the word reggae doesn't exist at this point. Okay. So let alone the music. So he like created it. We'll get there. Okay. So in uh, 66, he got married to Rita Anderson, who was in the I-3s, which we will talk about a little bit. But she was very musically She's talented pretty. as well. Yeah. He still doesn't look like Bob Marley to me. But... Yeah, he's still short-haired. <laughs> yeah. I think he's 21 at this point. I like her wedding headpiece, too. Yeah. And he went to live in America after they got married. Oh. They lasted about eight months there. Things didn't work out. They came back. And he reunited with uh, Livingston and Macintosh, who were Bunny Whaler and Peter Tosh as their stage names. And that's when he started becoming interested in the Rastafari movement. Hmm. So do you know anything about Rastafari? I don't. Is it like a religion? It is. Okay. Yes. So it was a religious and political movement developed in Jamaica it started in the 1930s, but kind of started getting a little bit bigger then. It is a Christian religion. Okay. So they have, it's monotheist, they believe in Jesus, and most of it comes from the Old Testament. But some things that are a little different is that they use uh, cannabis as a sacrament, which oh. is one of the most popularized things about right. them. Like, so oh, I feel Rastas, like they smoke weed. That's what I kind that's of associate and that that is part of it, but uh, there's some other interesting things. Is Ethiopia is treated as a holy land, specifically huh. Haile Selassie, who was the then emperor of Ethiopia, is looked upon as the reincarnation uh, in the second coming of Jesus. Right. And they okay. also believe in Jesus, but they're like, well, Jesus wasn't white though. Which, yeah, fair. Why would he be if he was born there? Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting because, like, they frame this. In a way that makes it sound like other religions too, like the the wine is sacrament and yeah. like and like things are holy and there's like holy places in the world. Absolutely, it very much is yeah. like any other religion. I'm not saying it's not a religion, but I'm saying like well, the I way that they the frame way this, it's looked it upon works. by most people. They're like, oh, yeah, it's not. It's like it's, people smoking weed. Yeah, and it is very much like any other religion if you look closely into it you're like well that doesn't make sense most religions don't yeah so that's kind of how it works rastafari are often vegetarian they don't uh use alcohol and uh dreadlocks are a symbol of their covenant with god so that's why they grow the dreadlocks it's uh, kind of similar to why sikh people don't cut their hair and beard it's because like you're being made in the image of god so you don't want to change that right and 
we think like, oh yeah, that's what everyone in Jamaica is. About 1.5% of Jamaicans are Rastafari. That's it. Yeah, it's not very big at all. See, so that's such a big like stigma yeah. is that like everyone in Jamaica is just like totally into this like yeah. weed smoking religion. Not very much at all. It's mostly Protestant in Jamaica. Interesting. Yeah. So the whalers continued to be successful in Jamaica, but not really outside of it. In 1967, their song Stir It Up, which I think that one more people are familiar with, uh, gained some international success. But then in 1969, a band called the Maytels released a song called Do the Reggae. And that new sound is something that Bob Marley and the Whalers would kind of get on board with more so than the Maytels even. And it involved uh, getting rid of the horns for the most part, using electric guitars, and really slowing down the beats that they were used to in the past. Okay. So we're going to skip over some albums because while they were still the Wailing Wailers, they released a lot of stuff and a lot of it was re-releases, but it wasn't until 1972 that they signed with Island Records and got a proper studio album. And their first album was called Catch a Fire. And I think right off the beginning, first studio album, great. It's a great album, I think. It had some great songs like uh, 400 Years, Stir It Up, and Concrete Jungle. that one before i think so yeah it's one i like a lot and off that first record it might be my favorite i like it because it's a bit of a darker song but that's something about bob marley he has both extremes he has some really sad stuff and then some super upbeat stuff i like that one though it it's like relaxing but fun yeah, and then if you listen to the lyrics, it's maybe less fun, but it's still, it's it's nice. It's got that nice upbeat back tempo. Yeah, so that's still kind of a holdover from the older ska and rock steady stuff. Right. And I love some of the lyrics in it, the no chains around my feet, but I'm not free. Mm. And he's just talking about living in the city and how just oppression is a theme in a lot of his music. Okay. So they went on to tour Britain and the United States in 1973, and they performed as an opening act for Bruce Springsteen and Sly and the Family Stone. And then the same year, they released their second album, which was called Burnin'. Oh, and I should have mentioned on their first album, I loved the original vinyl. It opened like a Zippo and it was looked like a lighter. Oh, really? Yeah, that was kind of cool. Oh, that's fun. That used to be a fun thing with records is that they would have fun like packaging cases yeah yeah like that uh, rolling stones one that had the fly with a working zipper on it Uh and things like that we don't get that anymore no 
But like I said, in 73, their second album, Burnin', also pretty great. Their big hit song was I Shot the Sheriff, and it became really popular after Eric Clapton covered it. So then that made people seek out where it came from, and they got a lot of uh, coverage that way. I definitely know that one. And this had some other great songs like Get Up Stand Up, uh, Doopy Conqueror, and one of my favorites, as you know, Small Axe. Yes. If you are the big tree, we are the small axe. Sharpen to cut you down. Well sharp. Ready to cut you down. that one a lot because of the imagery of the small axe and the big tree and uh, it's an African proverb and of course it just essentially means that any big mighty institution can be brought down with perseverance and I kind of I always love that because I like like talking about overthrowing oppressive regimes (laughs) and if I had if it wasn't already taken I'd name like all of my production companies small axe because I like that and we of course brew beer and yes. our raspberry wheat beer is called Small Axe. And it is one of our most popular beers that we brew. We brewed a second batch last summer, and it was gone almost before we even like finished labeling them. It's good stuff. It is good stuff. And then at this point, two of the three original whalers left the group. Uh, Macintosh and Livingston went on to pursue their solo, solo careers and you can still find their music there big time. Peter Tosh got really big time and Bunny Whaler, of course. <laughs> I thought in the first time you said it, it was Buddy Whaler. Bunny Whaler makes me think of like a whale with bunny ears on it. It's oh, so cute. I like that. I think of a bunny who um, harpoons whales. Oh, He's a whaler. you went violent. I went cute. And then in 1975, they released their next album called Natty Dread. And this one was a much more political album because it was talking about a lot of the political tensions in the time in Jamaica uh, between the PNP, the People's National Party, and JLP, the Jamaican Labor Party. And those names are going to come up a bunch. It's not really important that you remember them, but it is a big part of his life because at this time and for the next few years, Jamaica is essentially a war zone. Right. And people are like actually shooting in the streets, but it's based on political parties. Okay. Which is so different than anything that like in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. And also the CIA was meddling and giving guns, but we'll oh, oh. get into that. I see. And to like reflect all of this violence, there was one song called Rebel Music or Three O'Clock Roadblock, which was inspired by his own experience of being stopped by army members at three in the morning just before the 1972 elections. Hmm. And this album and specifically the song Revolution was interpreted as an endorsement for the PNP, the People's National Party. Right. And uh, that made him a lot of enemies on the other side of things, including the CIA. And 
that'll come up more later <laughs> as well. But this song also featured the songs uh, Lively Up Yourself, which is a really good one. Mm-hmm. And maybe one of his most famous songs, No Woman, No Cry. So I know that one very well because we were just listening to it before we started. But do you know the album version, which sounds probably a little different from what most people know? fast and organy yeah it's it's chipper it's yeah it's chipper whereas like the um lights live right the live version yeah so probably the version most people are familiar with is the 1975 performance because that's released on the kind of uh, collection album legend right which is is i think goes on to be his best-selling album by quite a bit because mm-hmm. it was released after his death and is kind of a best of yeah the live version it's slowed down and it's so it's really soulful. soulful. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. It's so much more soulful and it feels like the words have so much more meaning. Let's hear a little of that. I remember when we used to sit in the government yard in trench now. Over, over, serving the hypocrites and they slowed down by a third pretty much yeah and he he sings he's not just kind of like getting through it like the album version sounds like it did it makes me miss live music (laughs) the the background noise that you can hear and like yeah and this version and i love um how things in like live shows tend to kind of transform and be different when they when artists play them. Yeah, and this is probably one of the best examples of that because it is it's better. It's much better. It's so much better. And this song often thought of as like, if you don't have a woman, there's no need to cry. That's not what it means. It's hey woman, don't cry. If we want to use linguistics to break down a Bob Marley song, <laughs> oh, I bet take you something do. <laughs> really cool and make it as uncool as possible. <laughs> it, you can see it more in the uh, album version, but it's no woman, nah, cry with like a schwa. Okay. So that's uh, more of a Jamaican patois of like, don't. Okay. So that's what it's about. He's saying, don't cry. And one of the fun things about this song and lots of his really big songs Clearly written by Bob Marley. Everyone says he wrote it. And uh, like the lines about Georgie and the porridge, those are all from his own life. Oh, okay. But he didn't have the best record deal at the time. And he wanted to ensure success for a lot of people around him. So he gave credit to this to Vincent Ford, who was a man who ran a soup kitchen in Trenchtown. And that soup kitchen was able to stay open 
based on the royalties from No Woman, No Cry. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah. That's absolutely amazing. I love that. And that's the case with most of his songs. Like, if you look at the notes on the... um, on your CD or whatever, it'll always be credited to someone else. And you'd be like, oh, I thought Bob Marley wrote his own stuff. He absolutely did, but he would just but he credit other people. he gave the credits to other people. That's yeah. amazing. And such a, like, cool way for an artist to give back to their, like, community. Yes. Yeah. And he was definitely someone who was very into giving back to his community. So for their next tour, now they are called Bob Marley and the Wailers because he's the only original member left. Right. And he's clearly the, the front man of the group. They. This is what really brought reggae around the world. It was him traveling around in '75. Was that performance in London that you most most people are familiar with? And then in 1976, he makes the U.S. music charts with the album Rastaman Vibration. And one track out of that one, that I think that a lot of people are aware of, is the song called War. That until they're no longer first class and second class citizens of any nation until the color of a man's skin is of no more significance than the color of his eyes miss a war that until the basic human rights are equally guaranteed to all without regard to race so this song is a little different because it's not like a song song it's kind of more of a speech to music it's exactly what it was uh the song's lyrics were taken from a speech from Haile Selassie who was that emperor of Ethiopia that Rastafari believe was the um, the second coming of God and the lyrics or the speech is great and there's a lot of great messaging in there, but it is a speech more than a song. Hmm, okay. But he is kind of coming more outright. I don't even want to say becoming more political because he's not taking a political stance. He's saying like, until the philosophy which holds one race superior to another inferior is finally and permanently discredited and abandoned, everywhere is war. Which is not like really taking a stance. But that's like a bold statement. Yeah. And it's kind of like shitty that that is a political statement yeah. of like, hey, you shouldn't be racist. And people are like, how dare you? Still very prevalent. <laughs> and that's a thing that's going to come up with him a lot. He doesn't take sides in all these political things. He's just saying like everyone should love one another. And if someone saying you should love one another, you take as an attack on your political beliefs, you're on the wrong side. You are wrong. (laughs) That goes for Jamaica in the 70s and that goes for now. Because you can just say things like, hey, we should respect everyone. And uh, where we are, the conservative party takes that as an attack and they like will fund a big commission to to get to the bottom of why you're saying such a bad thing. So as the 70s progressed, Kingston became more and more violent. Uh, Supermarkets were running short on food. The electricity was going out and guns were coming into the island. People don't know from where. It was the CIA. Hmm. And there was just areas where they just called no-go areas. Like, you don't go in there because you will be killed. And there was an election approaching between the Jamaican Labor Party, who was backed by the CIA, Mm -hmm. and the People's National Party. And at the time, 
you might say like, well, the CIA doesn't like go and do that kind of stuff. That's conspiracy theory stuff. It's like the CIA fully admits they have gone into multiple countries and just killed someone because they want someone else in power. It's a thing they do a lot. It's yeah. a thing they still do. Uh, Elon Musk is all for it. We'll coup whoever we want to coup, as he <laughs> oh, famously gosh. tweeted, because that's the world we live Ugh. in. So sure, it sounds like conspiracy theory to say like oh the cia was putting guns on to their side right but they were actively doing that in other countries and they fully admitted they were doing that in other countries they were also like selling drugs to make money and that's not me like with a theory that's the cia has fully admitted yeah. these things so when i say i think the cia kind of shot bob marley that may sound crazy but i don't think it's nearly as crazy as it should be no it doesn't sound crazy because i feel like there's we're in a time now where we're learning just how much like secret government control is happening and uh so no that doesn't surprise me and we'll get into it right now but there is a netflix documentary there's a series called remastered and it's a bunch of short documentaries on different musical fingers right. and there's one called who shot the sheriff and it is about the assassination assassination attempt on bob marley wow but he was planning this concert it was going to be called smile jamaica because he just wants everyone to get along because right. that's who bob marley is he's going to perform this big free concert for everyone <laughs> because he's just a good guy it's nice so bob's wife rita was leaving their house and she stopped and another car started driving in and someone from that shot into her car, technically shot her in the head, but like didn't kill her. It like tore up her scalp and that's it. Oh my God. But very close to just executing her right there. That's insane. And then the, I think there were two cars. They then go into the house and open fire with two automatic weapons or four automatic weapons in total. And the band and the family were in there and they throw themselves out of the line of fire. Bob Marley does get shot twice. And the only reason he didn't die is because his manager, Don Taylor, jumped in front of him. And Don Taylor actually ends up getting shot five times, undergoes surgery and does live, though. Holy wow. And Bob Marley is shot in the arm one of the times and that bullet remained in him until his death because they thought if they took it out it would damage his hands and then he wouldn't be able to play guitar oh, yeah so he just kept that bullet in him forever after that that's amazing but also gross yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh i bet in the arm too you could like feel it yeah Ugh. and i'm not sure if you've ever seen pictures of him like on stage he's wearing like big clothes bob marley's ripped is he? Like, I'm not sure, sure. I don't know why that surprised me so much. Huh. But, like, he's not, like, big by any stretch. He's a small guy, but there's not an ounce of fat on him. He also didn't believe in, like, eating salt or anything like that. And he ran, like, 10 miles a day or something. And oh, he missed out. Salt is the best. Yeah. <laughs> we all know your feelings on salt. <laughs> he goes to the hospital, and um, Don Taylor goes through surgery. And this is two days before the concert. And he's in the hospital this whole time. And then he says, like, no, I'm going. Oh my and God. he leaves uh, secretly because a lot of people, of course, don't want him to go. Of course. And he also doesn't want people to know where he is because there's literally people trying to kill him. Right. 
And he doesn't have a band because all of the members of the Whalers are missing or in hiding. They they fled because they're like, someone's trying to kill us. So right. they all ran away and hid, which, yeah, makes perfect That's sense. That's fair. You should do that. But he goes and he's going to put on this concert anyway. There's a group called Zap Pow. And he gets them to be his backing band. And he says, I'm just going to go. I'm going to play one song just to show these people that like, yes, I'm here for you. Because 80,000 people showed up to this concert. There is also a um, documentary about this. There's a few different ones, but there's a short one on... You can just watch it on YouTube. And it's called Politics in Jamaica, The Smile Jamaica Story. So he goes and he's going to play this one song, but he just gets into it. He starts going. They end up playing for 90 minutes. It's amazing. There's a footage of it, which is very cool to, to watch. And when asked, like, like, why would you do something like this? He said, the people who are trying to make this world worse aren't taking a day off. So how can I? Oh, my gosh. That's very profound, though. Yeah. It's pretty badass, too. Oh, look at those thighs. Oh, yeah. So I just went to the next slide. <laughs> See, he's ripped, right? He's ripped. So after this, uh, the very next day, I think, he leaves Jamaica because it's just not safe for him. Mm -hmm. So he goes to London and he starts working on this album called Exodus. Great title. You just moved. And he draws a lot of uh, parallels between his own plight and the story of Moses and the Israelites. And the title track, Exodus, was a hit in England, as was Waiting in Vain and uh, Jamming, which was right. one of your songs that you like of his. I do like that song, yeah. And then the entire album stayed on the UK charts for more than a year. And Exodus is often considered by many to be one of the best albums ever made. Because it not only does it have those songs, it also features Natural Mystic, uh, One Love, and Three Little Birds. Rise up this morning, smile with the rising sun. It's very easy to get it stuck <laughs> yeah. in your head. And like I was saying, he he does it both ways, right? Like, this is the most simple, upbeat, happy song. Yeah. Actually, maybe not the most. We'll probably get to the most. Okay. But it, it really is, right? There's not much to no. it. There's not big allegories or anything. But he is... He's just versatile enough to do it both ways. And it's got that great, like, upbeat backing to it. Yeah. The yoo-hoo-hoo. Yeah, it just sounds fun. And that is uh, Rita. His wife is one of the singers. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so she was in The Wailers, and this is jumping ahead, but she continued to be after he passed away. She was always someone who was like, no, I'm a, like a backing singer. I'm not like in the spotlight. And then after his death, she was just a real pillar of strength, brought the family together, organized things, and now it's like an empire. 
Oh, really? Yeah, because that name, you can still get like Marley headphones and stuff. Right, yeah. And it is the family. Really? It's all after his death, but she organized them and there are a lot of them. We'll get into that okay. a bit at the end. But I guess that's one thing I don't know as much about because it's so complex. He has children from four or five or maybe six different women. Oh. And from what it seems like, they all kind of knew about it and they all just kind of got got along. It was like very open marriage. I guess. I don't really know all the details, so I don't want to like say too much. But I know that many of them lived together and I don't hear any stories about like terrible things. Like a a love compound. Something like that. He did totally have a compound. Interesting. Well, if people were trying to kill you, you would need a compound. And then let's jump forward to 1977, where he had a health scare, and he discovered uh, cancerous cells in his toe. And doctors suggested amputation, but part of his Rastafari beliefs meant that you don't like Alter. change what God gave you, and amputation would fall into that. So he refused to have the surgery, which... Uh, was a mistake in my mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We see a lot of people who are like on religious grounds or on Steve Jobs just thought he knew better. Right. So he's like, I'm not going to the doctor. I know better than yeah. that. And then he died. And it's, it's, I'm not a Steve Jobs fan, but I'm very sad that that happened to Bob Marley. Yeah. I, I um, actually just listened to a podcast today about um, people who think that they know better than doctors and like right. holistically treat cancer and stuff. Yeah. And uh, this was about a con person who said they had cancer and tried to treat it holistically, but she caused like a few people in Australia to die because they were like, oh, I'm going to follow this woman's plan because she's living with brain cancer. And she wasn't. I'm the first to admit doctors don't know everything. Medicine's changing all the time. People are learning more. But what I am confident is they know better than I do when it comes to health things. Yes, and they know where to start when it comes to health things. Yeah. Whereas I just Google and scare myself. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's what we do now. Yeah. So in 1978, he released the album Kaya. And kind of being uh, away maybe from Jamaica helped this album be less about overcoming oppressive regimes, things like that. And it was really a like a love-influenced album. Aww. So it had some really good songs, uh, Sun is Shining, Kaya, of course, and the two big hits were Satisfy My Soul and Is This Love. If we didn't have that first aid kit song, I would suggest that because we've danced and listened to that yeah. song many times. And it's such a good one. It is. 
It, it's upbeat. It's fun. Everyone knows the words. Yeah. Or like most people know the words. That's right? We're going to play it at the wedding. Oh, it's for sure. Getting for sure. That could be like our lead into everyone else. <laughs> Done. Wedding planned. And that's all it is. You just have to pick two songs. <laughs> uh, there's a video for that, which is a lot of fun because it's just him and a bunch of kids partying in a house. And if you look closely, one of those kids is like an eight-year-old Naomi Campbell. Really? Yeah. Like the supermodel. Yeah. Wow. And also in 1978, he returned to Jamaica for the first time to perform this concert called the One Love Peace Concert, where he got Prime Minister Michael Manley from the PNP and the JLP leader Edward Sayaga to shake hands on stage. And there's a video of it that is linked in the presentation, but I'm going to show it to Samantha here. So I'm not going to put that audio in. Sam, what did you just see? Um, Two men who clearly did not want to be touching. Yeah, and in the middle, they're both much taller. Bob Marley's not a very big guy, but like these two bigger white guys on either side of him. And Bob Marley's jumping up and down and just saying, love, love. And they look very displeased with the whole thing and he forces them to hold hands which they do not like but i think that's kind of indicative of him as a political figure like he wasn't a political figure he's right. just like a force of positivity just unrelenting positivity that people love so that yeah. automatically kind of makes him a public figure yeah yeah we are in a world where saying equality is good is a political action so he became instantly politicized. Right. And then later in that year, he made his first trip to Africa. He visited Kenya and Ethiopia, which, of course, was a very important uh, country to him. And then perhaps inspired by all of those travels, his next album was called Survival, which came out in 1979. And this one, he really got into the idea of Pan-Africanism and greater unity and an end to an oppression. It had songs like So Much Trouble in the World and this one called One Drop. On the sound, how does this song feel? It's a little less upbeat than some of the other ones we've listened to, um, but I it still has that familiar sound. I never really, I've listened to the song so many times, I never really listened to it. Right. And it's so happy, and then you listen to it, and you're like, oh, it's about like the one drop rule, which is most famous in the United States, that if you had uh, one drop of black ancestry, or non-white ancestry, you are not white, and you are not entitled to the same privileges right. of white people. And that's what this song's about, but it sounds so nice and fun. And in 1980, he played at the official independence ceremony for Zimbabwe, which oh, is cool. pretty cool. And he had a song called Zimbabwe that he wrote for that occasion, nice. which is on that album. 
and he received the Order of Merit from the Jamaican government that year and the Medal of Peace from the United Nations. Wow. Because he's recognized for, like, he was going out there and doing doing work. Doing the work. Also, in 1980, he released the album Uprising, which featured Could You Be Loved and Redemption Song. All pirates, yes, they rob I. Sold I to the merchant ships Minutes after they took I From the bottomless pit But my hand was made strong By the end of the Almighty We forward in this generation Triumphantly won't you help to sing these songs of freedom cause all i ever have redemption songs redemption songs have you heard that one before i have I like those like really slow and kind of sad ones that it's he does sometimes. It's almost like a ballad. Yeah. It's it's very stripped down from what he usually sounds like, mm-hmm. and I, I think it makes it more of a stronger meaning then. Yeah, and this was one of his uh, last songs that he would go on to uh, record, and it seems kind of fitting. It sums up a lot of his beliefs all together, mm-hmm. and it also shows like a huge progression from where we started off when we were listening to Simmer Down right? and how much was going on there to how little is going on here. But there's that message seems to be the strongest part of any of it. For sure. And they're very popular by this time. There's all these stories about one of his London shows, I think it was, where there were so many people and it was so hot that it kind of generated its own weather. Like there was condensation on the roof of the place and it was falling down as rain. Which sounds really gross as well. It because does it's sound just gross. Like, it's like sweat. Yeah, that's all sweat. That's everyone's body fluids. Yeah. <laughs> They're like coming out of their heads as steam and falling down as rain. Yeah. And that makes me want to throw up. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, so he traveled through Europe and he did plan a series of concerts in the United States. But they would only go on to play three of those shows. Uh, two at MSG in New York and one in Pittsburgh before the illness uh, the cancer started taking over and it had started to spread throughout his body so then just lost the toe bob he should have just lost the toe yeah he really should have he would go then to travel to europe and undergo all i could find was unconventional treatments in germany it was probably some of that holistic stuff Mm. i don't really know but whatever it was it didn't work and it soon became clear that he didn't have much longer to live so he wanted to return to Jamaica for one last time. And one of the really sad things is he, on his way, he died in Miami on uh, May 11th, 1981 at the age of 36. He was only 36. Yeah. Wow. That's sad. It really is. Like, I don't know why, because he's had such a, maybe he's had such a prolific life and like he did so much in his time. But, like, he seems like he lived to be way older. It does, yeah, because to go through such a uh, change in your musical mm-hmm. style, usually people don't get to that stripped-down philosophical like 50, part until you're later. years of <laughs> music-making before you get there. Yeah, he did a lot in 
I guess about 16, 17 years. And that also makes me feel like a slacker. <laughs> well, we can't all be Bob Marley. <laughs> and he had a giant funeral in Jamaica. About 30,000 people came to pay their respects. And it was said that his last words were, money can't buy life, which seems less profound and more just sad. That is sad. That's really sad. Yeah. Especially because like, he probably had quite a bit of money at this point. Yeah, yeah, like, enough. He was like, well... They are doing off. all right, yeah. He was well off enough to credit his songs to other people to make sure that they got paid. So he's definitely doing well. And that's such a... A sad thing to realize at the end of your life. Yeah. But it's not like he was someone who was hoarding money or anything. No. It would be sadder for one of those people, maybe. No, but then it would be more fitting. I don't know. Oh, I, I feel like sad, that's come up way. As, yeah. <laughs> for someone like Jeff Bezos or like any of those guys. Yeah. It's like, we all know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the rest of us knew it the whole time. You're an idiot. <laughs> but he seemed to have known that always because he was giving away right. money so so freely. And he was buried with his guitar, a soccer ball. He was a really big soccer fan. Uh, some ganja. Of course. A ring given to him by the Prince of Ethiopia and a Bible. Wow. The album Confrontation was released two years after his death, and it was mostly re- music recorded throughout his life. Right. I mean, there weren't many like new, new things. But of uh, those ones, I think Buffalo Soldier was my favorite song on that album. Soldier is the term that uh, they called black soldiers who were in the cavalry in the U.S. Army in like the late 1800s. Right. So they were the Buffalo Soldiers, and they think the name came from Indigenous Americans saying that their hair was like that of a buffalo. Oh, okay. That's like maybe true, maybe not, but it's a fun story if it yeah. is. Yeah. And they went on to embrace that, and they said, like, yeah, we're strong like a buffalo, so they, they enjoyed that. Right, yeah. so it's like they took it on. Yeah. And one of the biggest legacies that he leaves behind is his family, because he, oh, my slide here said he had 11 children with seven women, possibly higher, but there's some that are, like, in dispute. And his wife, Rita, continues to perform with the I-3s and the Whalers and some of the Marley children. Uh, Ziggy and Steven and the daughters, Candela and Sharon, played for years as Ziggy, Marley, and the Melody Makers, who are probably the most famous of, uh, of the Marley children. But Damien, Kai Manny, and Julian also have some albums out. There are now grandchildren who have albums, and I, I don't know those ones. They're, wow. Yeah, so there's a lot going on with the family, and they still continue to uh, 
to do a lot in the world of music. I mean, good on Rita for like organizing that family and really yeah. like monetizing it. Yeah. Yeah. And to like still keep it musically like they're going on they're not just living off of royalty yeah. or anything they're doing their own things and, and they're like honoring to like honor his yeah. yeah and in the slides i have some really cool family photos that are worth wow. taking a look at <laughs> they're so little and then going on to the legacy outside of his family he pretty much introduced the world to reggae music uh 1976 they were the band of the year they have a peace medal of the Third World from the United Nations, Order of Merit, which was Jamaica's highest honor, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Album of the Century for Exodus <laughs> from Time Magazine, uh, Star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, Rolling Stones number 11 Greatest Artist of All Time, UK Music Hall of Fame, One Love was named Song of the Millennium by BBC, 1011 there were some pretty good songs out there too some real bangers <laughs> 1011 yeah uh the greatest lyricist of all time from the bbc and really one of the first truly international superstars right because we thought think of like international the beatles yeah they're big in england and america yeah. but he is just so popular the world around and to this day the bob marley foundation supports education and they're committed to protecting the earth and invested in the well-being of humanity. Wow. And if you go around the world, there's so many statues of him in places where you're like, why do they love Bob Marley? <laughs> it's especially like prevalent in indigenous communities around the world. So there's like a statue of him in Serbia, a bunch in uh, Ethiopia, in Zimbabwe. The Australian Aboriginal people continue to burn a sacred flame in honor of Bob Marley's life. Where was that? In... It's in Sydney, in Victoria Park. Yeah, the Hopi tribes have a lot of monuments to him. I'm not exactly sure why, but why not? And if you go around India, there's so many like restaurants and hotels with like pictures, murals of Bob Marley. Huh. And uh, yeah, I guess we. I really got through a lot of information, but I think uh, I think I got a lot of it out you there. You did. So, what are your thoughts on? Robert Nesta Marley. <laughs> Don't call him Robert. That's weird. <laughs> he's Bob. Uh, I think he's even more incredible. I mean, I knew um, some of his music from you. And I know my mom and my stepdad, like, toured his home in Jamaica when they went. Right. And so, like, I think that's very cool. And uh, I really, like, enjoyed learning about, like, rastafarian culture or like beliefs i guess it's a religion so it's more beliefs yeah. and uh yeah i think he's a very interesting person what i'm left with after doing uh looking at all of this is that he was like never overtly political mm -hmm. when we talk about political musicians today it's so different than what he was talking about yeah because he's never mentioning names or places or yeah. anything like that he just got kind of got adopted into this politicalness yeah he was forced to be political because in a world where like his message was love and that's all he really preached that was seen as an attack on people yeah and like i said before if someone's saying hey we should love everyone if you're offended by that, you are wrong. 
So wrong. Look at yourself. Yeah. What's wrong with you? <sighs> and I'm sure there's someone going, yeah, but. No, no there no, should no. be no yeah, but to that. If you're like, love everyone, awesome. Or any other answer, you're wrong. No, no, yeah, but. Yeah. And someone's out there is like, what about Hitler? Should I love Hitler? You know I don't mean Hitler. We, Come nobody on. ever means Hitler. <laughs> 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 you should know that by now. <laughs> But I think uh, the best thing you should do, go pick up some Bob Marley yeah. albums. Listen to them wherever you are. They're going to make you feel good. There's a great Greatest Hits album. Legend. Legend. Yeah. That it's like one of the first things that comes up on Spotify if you type in Bob Marley or on any music streaming service. And just give that a listen. Because really it is like a good subsection of all the songs that he put out. And there are some of his songs like um, Three Little Birds mm -hmm. and a few other ones where... I was listening to them because I was writing notes on my lunch break. And then when I was at work, I was just like strutting down like <laughs> in such a much better mood. Yeah. Even though there was someone ODing in the bathroom. Aww. But I was like peppy and ready to go help them out. <laughs> oh. Actually, I didn't have to help them out. There's security that did that. It's not your job. No, I just played with the children instead and try to keep them away from that. <laughs> Distract them. Actually, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he... Uh, he can make you think. He can make you feel super happy. He can bring you down. He can make you dance. Absolutely. I think we think of reggae as just like, well, it's just all the same. Listen to his stuff. Realize how much of variety there is to it. And it is some of the some of the best music out there. That's awesome. Let's go listen to some. Let's. So maybe we'll do music again every now and then. But <laughs> I think we're going to go back to movies for the most part. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely... Where our heart lies. Yeah. So our second sponsor of the episode is Rumi. And you've heard us talk about Rumi, which is put together by Atco. And uh, with warmer weather comes yard work and lots of it. Prune your trees, shrubs, clean your eaves troughs, replace those drafty windows you noticed over the winter, or you can call Rumi to take care of all your outdoor and indoor spring home maintenance while you fire up the barbecue and relax or shop for a barbecue as we're going to have to do. You can visit rumi.ca, that's R-U-M-I dot C-A, or call one 844 777-7864 and let Rumi's trusted local experts take care of your yard so that all you have to do is enjoy it. Man, I can't wait for all the snow to be gone and oh, we can I actually get out in our yard. our yard. We have a yard for the first time. Oh, it's very exciting. And we have a front yard we can use too. What? Double yards? Oh my goodness. What are we, kings? We're kings. <laughs> all right. Well, you can join us back here next week where we will each have spoiler-free reviews, things of the week. And at the end, Sam's going to tell us what we're watching for, the big watch. Is it going to be a watch? We're going back to watch. We're going right? back to watch, okay. yeah. I'm not... This was a special one-off. I haven't finished my Taylor Swift uh, PowerPoint yet. So. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so we will see what I pick. See you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.